Zach Daniel. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to welcome you on this rainy day. It's raining outside. It might be raining inside, uh, but not much longer. Like Pastor Donnie said, we are on the way to a new building. Uh, that's really exciting. Still waiting on that certificate of occupancy. We're hopeful for Easter. We wrote it out on the invitation. So there's a little kind of, okay, we're going. Let's do it. Um, so again, if you want to know where we're going to meet next week, make sure you're on the email newsletter list because who knows, maybe we won't be here. That'd be really uh, exciting. We are going to finish our study in 1 Peter today. If you've been tracking with us, we've been walking through 1 Peter since November. Wow, that's been a while. This has been such a rich book to go through. We're going to wrap up today 1 Peter chapter 5. If you'll turn in your Bibles there, we're going to be chapter 5 starting in verse 12. This is the closing of the letter. If you remember back to grade school, when you were in grammar and they taught you the parts of the letter, the, the date at the top, the salutation, hello, dear so-and-so, the body of the letter, now we are at the close. That's what we find here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12. Remember, Peter's writing to this early group of Jesus' followers in the Roman Empire. And this is what he writes in verse 12. His closing, by Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this, the contents of this letter, the, the grace that he's talked about, this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. And so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all you who are in Christ. Uh, before we dive into this just uh, amazing closing, there's so much for us here. I want to honor a special group of people today. So if you have tracked with us for a while, about three years ago, we had the privilege of planning a church in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's been really exciting. That church is going strong, and they are in the process of planning a church in Detroit, and we've got the crew from Detroit. So Dave, can you stand up? And your crew, if you're with Antioch Shoreline, just stand up. Give them a little clap. It's awesome. You guys can sit down. So they are here on their discipleship school trip, ministering with us here in Dallas. And uh, then let's just take a moment to pray for them. If you'll bow your head. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing in Ann Arbor. Thank you for what you're doing in Detroit. Lord, thank you for these people that you've brought here to our city this week. I pray that you would strengthen them as they begin this new work in Detroit, Lord, that you would work powerfully through their community to lift up the name of Jesus, to pour out your love on the city, and to build up many. In Jesus' name, amen. We're glad you guys are here. Uh, make sure to say hello to them. Teach them how we do it down south with a little howdy. We're friendly people. Um, okay, so we read this, uh, just this closing, and I've been fascinated by what Peter closes with, and I want us to look at that today. You guys know that uh, my wife and I, right here, we have four kids, a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, a two-year-old, and one that's going to make their appearance in August. We found out this week that it's going to be a boy, so one girl, three boys, that's right, we're going to have a, just a room full of stinky boys, and uh, it's going to be wild, wrestling matches all around. But as I, I grow as a parent, I realize that at times, parenting seems very long and arduous. Let the parents in the room say amen. And then there are other times where it seems like it's going so quickly. I'm noticing this more and more with my nine-year-old as she starts to head into preteen 
will. And I'm just like, how are we here? And I kind of want to just slow it down. Man, I get a little emotional thinking about it. And so I've been thinking about as a parent, what do I want my, my kids to get? What do I want them to be marked by with me as their dad? You know, I don't want them to be marked by those times where dad gets a little more frustrated than he ought to be with, you know, to trying to get everybody to bed or something like that. You know, you have those times like, oh, uh, guys, I'm sorry. Dad's a little too frustrated about something that's not important. Uh, I'm sorry. I repent. I don't want them to be marked by that. I want them to be marked. I want them to be marked by by just certain moments that we have, these things that just shape them and pour into them and build identity and calling and strength in them. That's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm thinking about in these days. So it's gotten me thinking about my relationship with my own father. And I was thinking about what did he do? What has he done uh, that's marked me and shaped me for the better? And I remembered back to this time in college where I thought it would be a good idea to do a triathlon. And I had a buddy who did a marathon, and I thought, well, I'm not really a marathon guy. You see, he's kind of a, a more of a pencil body type. I'm more of that wide grip pencil that you got when you were learning how to write. So I was like, I don't know that marathons really are for me, but I think I could do a triathlon. So I looked it up, read about it online. You know, you swim, you bike, and you run. And so I was like, okay, I think I can do this. And I downloaded the training program and kind of got the calendar and began to, began to practice and I thought, man, okay, swimming, there's a, there's a pool at my school. I can go and I can practice that. I'll get better at that. Riding a bike. I've been riding a bike since I was like five. You know, I'm, I'm sure that it'll just carry over. No big deal there. Don't really need to practice that one. I got that, right? I'm more of a ready, fire, aim person than a ready, aim, fire, if you get to know me a little bit. Think about what I just said. So I was like, ah, I'm not really going to practice that bike riding thing. I didn't have a bike. So I was like, it'll be okay. Uh, I was going to work on my running. And so all spring, like I trained, I'd swim, and I'd go run, and I'd swim and run together, and I'm really trying to get ready for this race. And my buddy was going to do it with me, and so we sign up to triathlon at Joe Pool Lake, so down South Dallas. And uh, it was going to be, I think it was a, a mile swim, a 24-mile bike ride, and then a six-mile run. So we, the, you know, the day of the race comes, we get up like at 3 in the morning and we eat pancakes because we're trying to carbo load before we go uh, to the race, show up. Oh, I, I left out a key detail, the bike, back to the bike. So as we get closer to the race, I haven't really practiced riding that bike, but I'm like, I'm going to need one for the race. So I go to the bike shop and I start to look and I realize bikes are expensive. Like I just thought back to when I was like five and you get that little, you know, little bike that your parents got for. I was like, man. These road bikes, the ones with the skinny tires, they're pricey. So I remember going to the used part of the bicycle store section, like, and looking through those, and I was like, you know, I, here, here's this uh, mountain bike. You know, mountain bike has the wide tires. I was like, I'll get that. This would be good. It was cheaper. I was like, there's probably not much of a difference, and I could ride this around school when I'm done with the triathlon. Now, those that are laughing, you know what's about to happen to me. So I buy this bicycle. I'm great. We show up. We eat the pancakes. We go out to the, the race, right, to swim first. So I look around, and I've got on, like, long board shorts, and everyone else is wearing, like, a Speedo. I'm not doing the whole Speedo deal, or they're wearing their, their like, fitted triathlete suit. I'm like, man, they've got swim caps. I've just got me. I've kind of got a built-in swim cap, but that's okay. <laughs> so we start, to, we start to swim, right? I'm feeling good about it, except this is open water, not the, not the, the, the stable pool. That's right, water's slapping you in the face while you're swimming, and my heat went out with about 100 people, 
So imagine just 100 people all trying to swim in the same little area. So they're kicking me and swimming under me and bumping me here and bumping me there. And it kind of felt like wrestling in the water. But somehow I make it through. I get through the swim part. I'm feeling good. If, if you get a little drip, you're not making that up. Our roof does leak. It's part of why we're moving. So just be blessed. There, there's some other chairs you can find. Back to this story. So <clears throat> bicycle time comes, right? Everyone else has a road bike. I've got the big mountain bike with the fat tires. Everyone else has these bicycle shoes with these clips that clip in that help you pedal faster. I didn't think that through. I had on my running shoes, right? So I'm like, ah, oh, what's the big deal? I can do this. So I jump on the bike and start to go. And I realize as soon as we start to go, there's a big difference between a mountain bike and a road bike. A mountain bike is made for, you guessed it, kind of the mountains, the terrain. A road bike is made for the road. It's meant to go faster. Well, I noticed this when a, when a woman who's maybe 50 years older than I am <laughs> begins to just blow by me like I wasn't even, like I was just standing there. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be bad because this isn't like one mile or two miles. This is 24 miles. Whew. So I get done. I'm a little deflated at this point. It's not looking good for me in the standings, but I'm like, I'm going to finish, you know, this race. So my dad is there, and he, he you know, kind of catches me in the transition point, and he kind of realizes that mountain bike thing was a bad decision. He's like, son, you all right? And I'm like, I got this, dad. I got this. So I'm going out on the run, kind of frustrated that my dad asked me if I got this. Of course I got this, right? Go out on the run, six miles. I'm tired by this point. Like, I am, I am worn out, but I'm like, I'm going to finish. Run. Come in. I'm about mile five and a half, right? We're about a half mile from, from home. Uh, there's this turn. I remember it just like it was yesterday, and I was so out of gas. I was so spent. I was just, man, I think the, 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 the older lady that had passed me on the bike kind of took half my energy there, and I was just, I was whooped. And I make this turn about a half mile away, and I see my dad there. He, he wasn't waiting at the end of the race where everyone else was kind of congregating. He'd come out looking for me. And I, I come around the corner, and I see him. And instead of saying, hey, son, are you going to finish? He looked at me, and he's like, you got this. And, and guys, it did something in me. I got emotional in the first service thinking about it. It's probably 17 years ago when this happened. But it did something in me that moment those words, when he came out looking for me, when he said, you got this, it, it poured courage into my heart. It, it poured strength into my heart. It poured hope into my heart. And it gave me what I need to finish the, the last half mile of the race. It was significant for me. It was a moment that has shaped me. Now, you may have had something like that. Hopefully, you didn't have it through purchasing a mountain bike instead of a road bike. But I imagine you had some moment like that with a parent, uh, an older sibling, a coach, a teacher, a mentor, a pastor, someone in your life that you've had a significant moment that's beyond just kind of uh, a rational experience, but it, it touched something deep within you. I imagine you've had something like that that shaped you into the person that you are today. One of those things that just makes you, makes you better. And I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to think about that person. I want you to think about that, that interaction. Because here as Peter closes the letter, he, 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 he's wanting to, as he sums up this letter, as these young Christians are about to face significant persecution 
for their faith, he's wanting to leave them with one of those kind of moments. One of those moments that pour strength and pour encouragement and pour hope into them. Last night I was talking to my, my son and we were working through some things and I pulled him near and I spoke some words into him that I wanted them to be words that sunk down deep. This is one of those type of moments as Peter closes that he's wanting to pull him near. And he's wanting to encourage these Christians. He's wanting to speak hope, to speak life, to speak strength. And I don't know what you're going through today, but the Holy Spirit wants to take these words from our text today and do the same for you to impart something in you today. We didn't come to church today just to go through the motions and go through a meeting. We came here to meet with the living God. And when God shows up, it brings hope and transformation. And that's where Peter is going. So let's look at it together. I want you to focus in on verse 12 by Silvanus. We'll get to him in a moment. A faithful brother as I regard him. I've written briefly to you. Note this, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. That word exhort means to encourage. It means to pour strength into. It means to fill with fuel and hope. Peter is saying, hey, I've written this letter that you would be encouraged, that you would be built up, that you would be strengthened. Well, what are we to be strengthened in? What are we to be encouraged in? The grace of God that we found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And note that he doesn't say, hey, this is just kind of the beginning and now we're going to move on to the other stuff. No, he says, stand firm in this grace, a.k.a. plant yourself right here in the grace of God. This is the real deal. This is the real deal, the true grace of God given to you through Jesus Christ, and I want you to plant your life right here. I think it's just amazing to think about the God of the universe by His Spirit speaking through His servant Peter and of all the things that could be said, of everything that God could say, hey, this is the big deal. This is where I want you to build your life. This is where I want you to plant down. Of all the things that could be said, what does He say? I want you to stand firm in my grace. I want you to stand firm in my favor to you, not because of what you've done, but because of my son and what he's done. That's where I want you to plant your life. Church, this is a good word today. It's amazing to me that you and I, we don't have to build our lives on our vocation. We don't have to say, man, my success or lack thereof at my job is the most significant thing about me. You know that that is a very uh, shallow place to build your life. Jobs come and jobs go. Industries come and industries grow. You're not going to be able to really build a life on your career. If you do it, it's going to be very, very fragile. One change in the economy. One change at the whim of a boss. One change just is something way outside of your control. What's here today could be gone tomorrow. That's not a great place to build a life. He doesn't say build your life 
on your spouse or on your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Again, those are good things, but they're not God things. And when we seek to build our lives, when we seek to find our hope, to find our strength, to find our courage in that person, if they'll like me, if they'll date me, if they'll marry me or in my wife or in my husband, that's where you're looking for your strength and your foundation. It's a very fragile place to build a life. Because your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, they don't have in them, they're just a person, they don't have the resource to give you what you truly need to build your life on. Right? That's not a good place to build it. That's not where he's saying to build. We could go on and on about faulty and fragile places to build our lives. But God, in His mercy and in His goodness, says, hey, Here's firm ground for you to build on. The grace of God. My favor for you, given in my Son. My unchanging faithfulness. My abundant goodness. My generosity that's not dependent on the rise or fall of a stock market. My goodness that's not dependent on whether this person likes you today or that person likes you tomorrow. This is a place that you can build your life. And that's a good word. Somebody needs to say amen because that is a good word. This is a place that you can root down and find strength and find hope and find encouragement. You're not shaped or defined by your circumstances. Primarily, circumstances matter and they're important, but that's not the ultimate thing about you. You've got this place of grace, the true grace of God. And he's saying to these Christians, stand firm in it. And the Holy Spirit, just like I did to my son last night, wants to pull you near. And wants to say, son, daughter, this is a place where I want you to build your life. This is the big deal. My grace for you, given to you freely in my son. And I want you to turn your attention to the people that Peter mentions that are with him, kind of co-signing, if you will, on this message, the first one they mentions is Silvanus. Now, what we know about Silvanus is that he was a leader in the early church, and he was a prophet. He had a spiritual gift of prophecy. And he's standing there with Peter, affirming this message, stand firm in the grace of God. Why is that important? If you're a leader in here, what I want you to know is the grace of God is the place that you want to build your life for fruitful leadership. If you're in here and you're longing for spiritual gifts, we're a church that believes in the gifts of the Spirit at work in the people of God. And here's a prophet saying, you want a place to build your life? Stand firm in the grace of God. You want to grow in the things of the Spirit and spiritual gifts? Hunker down, build your life right here in the grace of God. Peter, we've already talked about his life. It was marked by significant failure in his past. He had a past. He'd been through some things. He'd been through some things that if you or I went through them, we'd be tempted to just disqualify ourselves and say, man, that's the real deal over my life. I am a failure. Mark, who he says is his son right here, if you you know Mark's story, Mark too was a man with a past. When the going got tough, the tough didn't get going in Mark's life. Mark turned and fled. And it was Barnabas, a man that was known as an encourager and a generous man that chased Mark down and mentored him, and restored him in the grace of God. And now you see Peter and Mark standing here, co-signing, saying, hey, if you're someone with a past, if you've been through some things, 
If you've had some things happen in your life, things that have happened to you or things that you've done, that it would be tempting just to say, well, that's the defining thing over my life. We've got good news for you. The grace of God is for you. And you can plant yourself in there. And the defining thing over your life does not need to be your failure, but the grace of God to you and through you. Amen. Who else does he mention? He mentions the church in Babylon. He says, she who is in Babylon. And he's speaking of the church in Rome. Babylon was kind of their code name for Rome. And it was known as a dark place. It was known as a place filled with darkness and sin and immorality. It was a place where they were going to persecute harshly Christians. And they're co-signing, saying, stand right here. This is the grace of God. And if you're in a place right now, if you're in a, a family, you're in a workplace, you're in a neighborhood, you're in a situation that feels dark, that feels uh, there's just sin all around. You're in coworkers who are doing things and trying to get you to do things that you think are way off the grid of God's awareness. I want you to know that there's grace for you today. The church at Babylon, the church in Rome, standing in a place of darkness says, hey, this is a place you can build your life. When you're in a dark spot, you can build your life in the grace of God and find hope there. What does that mean? That means that for us here in this room, thousands of years later, that the grace of God is a place that we can build our lives. It's a place we can build our marriages. It's a place we can build our church. We as a community have been marked by the grace of God. Part of this uh, process in our building, we've experienced the grace of God over and over and over again. As we move forward, we're going to be a community that plants ourselves down in the grace of God. And as your pastor, I want to tell you, this is a place to plant, your, plant yourself in the grace of God over your life. And as I was praying for you last night, I got the sense or the awareness, and I don't do this often, but I got the, the sense or the awareness that in a special way that God, by His Holy Spirit, wants to pour out His grace on us today. As I was praying, I, I just got this um, kind of, uh, I guess, picture in my mind, I don't know how else to describe it, of knee braces being put on people. And if you think about what's a brace, it's put on a weak part. It's put on a, a part that's broken and hurting, and it provides structure and strength and creates an environment where healing can happen. And I have the sense today in a special way that the Holy Spirit wants to brace us up in areas that we're weak. He wants to minister to people to breathe courage, to breathe life, to breathe hope, to breathe strength in the grace of God that would function like a brace around you, that grace would be a brace. That rhymes. That would, grace would be a brace that would bring strength. So we're going to do something just a little different than we normally do. I'm going to invite you to stand, and uh, we are going to pray, and we're going to let the Holy Spirit minister to us. In particular, uh, what stood out to me was that there are marriages that need the grace of God. And that's actually every marriage in our church. Every marriage needs the grace of God. So it's not like, oh, we're, the, we're kind of the, the, the one or two people that need that. No, everyone needs the grace of God. But in a particular way, God wants to minister to marriages today. And we're going to pray through a couple different areas, a couple different types of people. But if you're married, what I want to ask you to do is to put your hand 
in the air. And the people around you are going to lay a hand on you. Come on, I'm not going to call you up on stage. You're not going to have to talk on the microphone. But you do need to put your hand up. Okay, and if you see someone with their hand up around you, I want you to put your hand on them. Right? We're the people of God. We're the people of Jesus. We're going to pray. So put your hand on somebody. And I want to invite you just to, to, to begin to pray for them, to pray quietly to yourself with your hand on them, to pray that God would strengthen their marriage that God would encourage them today, that the grace of God will be poured out on their marriage today. Let's go for it, and I'm going to lead us in just a moment. Father, thank you that you're strengthening marriages today, that all across this room, that your grace is being poured out in a supernatural way, Lord. We agree, Lord. We're asking for these marriages to experience the brace of grace, that you would strengthen the weak places, that you would uh, build marriages and plant marriages in the true grace of God, the grace found in the gospel of your Son, Lord. We're asking for your power to minister to marriages today. In Jesus' name, amen. Second thing that we want to do is we want to pray for our life groups. Our life groups are our, our communities where we're learning to walk with Jesus together. And if you're in a life group, I want you to think of your life group. If you're not in a life group, you can imagine one, and I'll help you join one after this service. But the way we're going to pray is what's called Korean style. In Korea, they pray out loud together, the people of God praying together all at one time i've heard from koreans say yeah this is the way we do it it's a novel way we americans we kind of keep quiet keep to ourselves right they're like no we're going to pray we believe god hears us and we're going to go for it so i'm going to invite you to pray aloud but if everyone's praying aloud no one else is going to hear you except jesus that's a good thing right and we're going to pray for our life groups and then i'll close this in just a moment so let's go for it Jesus, we pray for our life groups today, Lord. Let them be marked by the grace of God. Let them be groups and lives that are planted in the grace of God. Let it be a place where people grow and experience the grace of God found in the gospel of your Son, Lord. Plant us as a church in the grace of God, Lord. We're thankful that this is the soil in which you want to plant us, Lord. And we just say yes and amen in Jesus' name. Next, we are going to pray for our family members. 
I bet you've got someone in your family, a brother, a sister, a mom, a dad, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, who needs the grace of God today. As we're headed to Easter, right, the day we celebrate the resurrection, man, what a great time to have a spiritual conversation. So we want to lift up our family members. So I want you to think about one or two people in your family that you could pray that they'd have a revelation or a realization of the grace of God for them, that they would plant their life in that grace. Again, we're going to do a Korean style where we're just all going for it, praying together, and I'll close us in just a moment. So let's go for it. Lord, we pray for every mom and dad, every grandparent, every aunt, every uncle, every brother, every sister, every son, every daughter, Lord, every family member. We're lifting them to you today. We're asking that you would pour your grace out on them today. You'd give them a revelation of the love of Jesus for them today, Lord, that you would bless them with your goodness today. We lift our family before you, Lord. We ask that you would strengthen them in your grace today. In Jesus' name. Okay, third group of people that we're going to pray for. Uh, we're going to break up and do it a little differently. We're going to pray uh, for one for physical healing. We believe that Jesus heals. We've experienced it in this church in remarkable ways. So if you're here today and you're sick or you're injured, you've got something in your body that you need God to heal, we have a prayer team available that would love to pray for you and believe for healing. Number two. If there's something just that you're going through right now, there's so many different situations in our church, but there's something that you're going through right now that you're like, man, I need the grace of God in that area. I want you to know you've got people who love you here. I don't want you as your pastor to leave this place without getting someone to pray for you. We did this in the first service, and there were just all sorts of people being prayed for for all sorts of needs and experiencing the grace of God. Number three, if you're saying, man, I'm wanting to grow in the gifts of the Spirit. You talked about that, that prophetic guy, Sylvanus. I, I want that. I want to grow in that. We want to pray for you in that. So in particular, you're sick, you want to grow in spiritual gifts, or there's just an area, a, a, a job, a financial situation, a personal situation, just something in your life that you're like, man, I just need someone to agree with me in prayer. This is the place to do it. So if I can get our life group leaders and some of our staff to be available up front to pray for you, Jeremy's going to lead us in worshiping together. And I don't want you to leave this place. We don't have much time, so don't wait around, but don't leave this place without getting prayer. You need the grace of God. I need the grace of God. And it's available to us. So Jesus, thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for your grace that you've given us, God, that you've poured out on us, Lord. And I'm asking that as we pray and we cry out, Lord, that you would strengthen, you would break through, and you would mark us with your grace as a community. Seated above, enthroned in the Father's love. Destined to die, and poured out for all mankind. 
God's only Son, the perfect and spotless one. He never sinned, but suffered as if he did. All authority, every victory.
Jesus, awesome in power forever, awesome and great is your name. shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing God, we thank you so much for how much you love us, Lord, and thank you for the strong grace that you have provided to us, Jesus. We just say we love you, God, and you are amazing, God, and your grace sustains us uh, and keeps us going, Lord Jesus. So we just uh, ask blessing, God, uh, for us today, God, in, in us receiving your grace. God, we say thank you, Jesus. 
It's in your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Uh, as we've been uh, so encouraged by worshiping with you guys and just hearing about the, the strong grace that God has for us. And as we go, we want to leave this place uh, filled with the strength that God supplies. And so each week we've been doing a little benediction, uh, uh, declaring that uh, the Lord is our shepherd. So we're going to go ahead and do that now as we go, uh, declaring that as we leave that the Lord is our shepherd. We're in Psalm uh, 23. It's in your little um, bulletins. Okay, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. You guys have an amazing week.